You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. What if the doctor took a visit to Hogwarts? Man, what a question. Guys, once a month on our Facebook group, Priest to the Geeks, we allow you to pick the episode. We do a what if every month, let you guys pick what you think is the most interesting what if scenario. We figure out which host makes sense to talk about it, and then uh, we talk about it. So that's what we're doing today. You guys voted for this one. We're here to deliver. Make sure to jump on the Facebook group to vote for the next one. This is Systematic Geekology. We are the Priest to the Geeks, and I am Joshua Knoll. Uh, my avatar is the doctor, is why we decided it made sense for me to be on this one. And uh, I am joined by one of the few people that I've I've watched a season premiere of Doctor Who with, the one and only Christian Ashley. How's it going? It's all right, Joshua. It's almost spring break. I have two classes left, and I'll be having the week off next week. It feels pretty good. Man, yeah. Yeah, I, I will never forget the time that we, you, me, and my brother, who isn't even that big of a Doctor Who fan, got together to watch. Oh, yeah. Was it, I, I want to say it was the season, season six. seven premiere. Or six seven? or seven. That makes sense, yeah. Somewhere around there. But we had some amazing cheeseburgers that day. It was a, it was a good time. Um, and, and what I'm geeking out on right now is... Um, Christian Ashley's shirt. He, he got a shirt from our store. That's just the one with the SG logo on the front. Looks pretty good. I have my own shirt and we both agree they're incredibly comfortable. So uh, geek out with us. Go to the store. Get a really comfy t-shirt. My suggestion is to order it one size too large. So it's like super extra comfy. Because I think they come a little snug sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, that could be the case. This one right now fits perfectly. Did you Did you order a size up or did you just order your size? I ordered my size. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Maybe my size is going up. I don't like that idea. We're going to move past it and talk about <laughs> today's episode. <sighs> oh, man. So today, like I said, we're talking about what if the doctor visited Hogwarts. The doctor, by the way, is not the one down the street who prescribes you medicine. We're talking about doctor from Doctor Who. And the most annoying part of this question is it doesn't specify which doctor. So so we're going to try to do that ourselves at some point during this conversation. But uh, before we get into it, Christian, um, also, for those who don't know, Hogwarts is the school they attend in Harry Potter. What is your relationship both to Doctor Who and to Harry Potter? Let's see. As far as Harry Potter is concerned, I first read the book in... It was actually read to me by my teacher because we would always have like an hour or so set aside to read a couple chapters of a book. Uh, this was in fourth grade. And ever since then, I kept reading them more, buying them more, watching the movies when they premiered a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, it feels like sometimes. And then as far as Doctor Who is concerned, I think I may have talked about this on the show before, but just in case someone hasn't heard, I, I first got into it in my junior year of college. Maybe, yeah, my junior year of college. I had never watched it before. I had knew, known it was a thing, but sci-fi was running a marathon and it happened to be with the 10th Doctor. And I'm pretty sure it was like the Santaran Stratagem or something like that. Nice. Fell in love instantly and started watching from the beginning. And I've watched it since. Man. Yeah. And I've mentioned my history with both on here before as well. But um, actually, the very first Patreon episode that we've done was a review of the first episodes I ever saw of Doctor Who, which was um, The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit. And it was because I had a roommate, and we both went to college with this guy. So, Zeb Mims, if you're listening, 
what's up, dude? Uh, nice to hear from you. We're going to be hanging out at a Judah and the Lion concert next month, so that's going to be cool. But uh, he introduced me. Didn't tell me anything about the show, really. Just decided that I'd like it. I'm like, sure, why not? You're in college. You just kind of say yeah to most things, you know. <laughs> and I enjoyed it and then uh, forgot about it for about a year. And then went, I texted him at some point. I think it was on like Christmas break. I was like, what was that show you had me watch like last year? <laughs> he was like, talk to who? I was like, yeah. So I just found where that episode was and just started watching it from there. I think got furious when I found out the doctor dies and comes back. What the heck's that about? <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. I was like, is he just going to die right now? <laughs> I was very angry. Um, but yeah, since then, I, I've collected like so many of the DVDs. I have some that you can't have in America, air quotes. So my PlayStation is set to UK settings so that I can actually watch the DVD. <laughs> um huge doctor who fan like i mentioned it's my avatar here especially the 10th doctor he's my favorite so that's what my avatar is designed after um and with harry potter i wasn't really allowed to watch it or read it or anything growing up you know it was just the satan stuff and now you know i know that it's a satan's favorite tv show kind of deal i know he wrote the books himself (laughs) so (laughs) no um I, i got into it in college because of a girl naturally and i was like you know this is okay it, it, I wasn't as crazy about it as most people, but I did like it. Um, I discovered I liked watching the movies first and then reading the books so that I wasn't disappointed. That was a fun way to do it for me. And then when they opened up um, Harry, the wizarding world of Harry Potter and Universal and Islands of Adventure, I was like, man, this is the best thing ever. And I had butterbeer. Now I'm like, man, this is one of my main geekdoms just because of the drink. And yes, we have talked about it on Drinks with Tejas, also on our Patreon. Y'all really need to be catching up over there. So that's patreon.com forward slash systematic geekology. It's worth it. Yeah. So, so now that we got that out of the way, let's, let's talk about the differences in things they have in common. Why this question's interesting. Let's start there. What values like, do you think constitute who the doctor is? Let's start with him slash her. There's been a girl doctor now. So you can say him. They, that might actually be like the most appropriate time to say they, because you, you really never know. You know, with the way Time Lords work. Yeah. I'm sure that know. makes sense. You don't know the gender. You don't know the personality, the face, the skin, nothing. It all can change. One life to the next. Well, I think one of the things they share, well, especially when just talking about the doctor, is his curiosity mm-hmm. about the world around him, about how people would make decisions or uh, how things are going about. How does this work? Why would this person do this? And when it comes to human beings, the doctor is just constantly curious of us, sometimes in a good way, sometimes mm-hmm. in a very detached sense of I'm so much higher than you and you, you puny little humans. And obviously <laughs> the master gets way worse than that. But as far as the doctor is concerned, I, I think what would tie him to this would be that idea of this is something a little outside my purview because he's been with magic before and through several of episodes in the show Magic mo- is just science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mostly they take the, I think it's Clark's third law or something like that. Uh, any advanced society is indistinguishable from magic or something like that. As usual, I butchered the quote because yeah. I should always look these That's things up. That's what we up. love to do here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I agree, though. I agree. Definitely curiosity. Um, I think I'm going to put a caveat. Most of Hogwarts, I think, shares this value. Of course, there's like umbrage and people who pop up occasionally that are just suck but yes. there's this value um which ironically one of my second least favorite actors the 11th doctor and his quote is what really solidifies this value of the doctor for me that he's never met someone who wasn't important before 
Oh, great quote. And I think that's one where I'm like, yeah, yeah. They both see this, just the importance of, I, I want to say humanity, but you know, the doctor deals with aliens too. So just the individual, each person, and by person, we don't just mean humans in this case, is valuable just innately. And that's something I think they both share for the most part. That's a value that you definitely see. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, there's the big the, the big difference is the doctor values science, Hogwarts values magic. Um, but, you know, e- even with that, there's some stuff that they share of like, why do they wield it? You know, um, the doctor uses science for benefits and he is appalled when people use it for evil because, you know, as a scientist, you should know better. Uh, you know, he says that on several occasions. You know, I think same thing if you're talking to Dumbledore, you're going to hear him say stuff like uh, as a magic user, as a wizard, you know better than this. So I think they both kind of have a similar value there. Um, you think of any other values or principles? I think in, a, in a very odd sense, personal secrecy and security as well is something that they both share. Because the Wizarding World, by its very nature, is very secluded from society. And the Doctor, even though he's interacting with things, as far as learning who he actually is as a person, we still have very little of <laughs> is, uh, who she is at certain points in time and uh, regeneration history and oh, like man. where did they come from we still don't know his name the child uh, that whole storyline that they just did with the flux and all that i'm like oh man that was i, I can say as someone for me i finally watched that part i can see why people were upset and i'm one of them but i'm glad i had more time to process it yeah i mean it had all the good it had, it had the potential and they just i don't know man but but so here's a little bit of fun Doctor Lore. In the Doctor Who movie with the eighth Doctor, it is revealed. Also, y'all can't see. I do use a lot of air quotes, which is terrible for a podcast. <laughs> it's revealed that the Doctor is half human. And they haven't fully retconned that. So it's kind of a, we're not sure. Maybe he has human DNA also. Maybe, question mark. We're never really quite told yay or nay from that. The last time but, I heard an interview about that, I can't remember which one of the showrunners it was. They said, just remember, the doctor always lies. Yeah. So that's their cop-out answer of whether or not it's true. Man, you have stuff like that. But then even in the show, they reference like stuff about his humanity or his human side and stuff. And it's like, what What do you mean by that? Are you confirming the the movie? And, you know, they just, they never say. You never say. I mean, he's essentially an adopted human at this point in time. Yeah. He he very much might be a mudblood. Um, Perfect reference. Um, but but he definitely does show this. He cares about humans specifically from Earth. And I think one thing that makes both him and then I'll say Dumbledore and most of your Hogwarts professors really angry is someone who thinks, no, only our kind matters. Right. So that's one thing he hates about the master. The master ha- hates humans. He hates other races. He wants everyone to be like him. The doctor, th- that's the thing that ticks. That's the doctor's big tick, I feel like, you know. And then when you look at Hogwarts, the big enemy is Voldemort, whose whole thing is no, no blood bloods, no muggles. You know, if they're not pure blood wizard from one of these families, they're out, you know. So I think it's interesting that they kind of have that that in common as well. Um, and of course, just a sense of adventure, excitement like they, they it's not just, hey, I like science. Let's do more science. The adventure is why he's doing the science, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I, I think. Most of your professors and students at Hogwarts, they're not just doing it for the sake of having magic. You know, there's something more there. Um, okay. Anything else? Anything else? I think I've hit the well for mine. Yeah. I'm sure if we if we sat here long enough, I could come up with more. 
but I feel yeah. like those are the main ones. Um, oh, well, the doctor also has never be cruel or cowardly. Hmm. And I think that probably goes for both, especially if you're talking about Gryffindors. You know, there's the four different house of Hogwarts also have their own kind of individual principles. And the doctor probably shares some in common and some not with all of those. Um, but but if we're really going to talk about what what if the doctor was at Hogwarts, we got to start with which, which doctor? Like, what do we like? Obviously, he's the same person, but he has different personalities with some of these different faces. Who's going? Which one of them do you think most likely ends up in this scenario? I mean, honestly, out of uh, we're about to have 14. Well, technically, we've had more than that, but let's just or, go with your standard. We're about doctors. to have 15 at least. <laughs> yeah, let's just go with that. Um, I could see pretty much any of them would have a reason to be here. I mean, even crotchety first doctor would <laughs> have plenty of reason to be there. Um, but I mean, I, if I had to label it down, narrow, excuse me, lab, narrow it down, I'd say it would have to be either the third, fourth, 10th or 11th, maybe the 12th, just for the sake of argument, because go ahead. Okay. I'm interested to hear your reasoning. So mine would be either the 4th, the 12th, or the 14th. Mm. The last two share the same reasoning. So, okay. So um, what, I'll start with that. I'll start with those two then. For, for the reason I think those two would be interesting, if you remember the 12th was Peter Capaldi, part of his storyline was trying to understand why he took that face because the same actor played a different character in another spot. So he was like, wait a minute, why did I take this face? Can I control who I become? So I could easily see him visiting Hogwarts or the TARDIS taking him because really the doctor has basically no control over the TARDIS. <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing. And that's that um, is canon. <laughs> and I could see him showing up there, the TARDIS taking him there, whatever, and running into um why well, can't think of the guy's name? Junior. Body Crouch Jr.? That's not right. Body Crouch. That's close. Barney Crouch? Okay. Uh, Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah. Yeah. He'd see the, uh, or, you know, John Hurt, David Tennant, these other faces that had been the doctor before and go, wait mm. a minute, what's going on here? And I could see it kind of playing into that story for the doctor. That's a Which is why I also way. think 14 could happen exactly the same way. Is why I threw that in there. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be okay, a perfect so you, meta way for him to show up. Yeah. It would be fun. Um, okay, so what about you said three, four, and I forget the other one, but why, why three or four? Let's start there. I think three, with where he was for most of his tenure as the doctor, he was stuck on Earth uh, working with Unit. And if Unit ever got oh, wind fair. of this magical society and like they wanted someone to figure out what's going on here, it's probably aliens, they'll think they'd probably send a third doctor there. And he could teach them all that. about the Venusian judo or whatever it was that he learned along the way. Man, he's which, a, uh, for the record, three is my least favorite doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and then for fourth, fourth is so easy for me. And I know you're not that yeah, big I picked on four too. Yeah. Uh, I think for him, like he's one of those doctors I can literally see showing up anywhere. And mm -hmm. Baker just has that power and charisma to make scenes work. So yeah. him, like he could just be curious about what's going on. He could have heard a rumor and he would have just shown up one day and says, I'm here now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so my head canon, if four came, which to me, the reason he makes sense mostly is even though he he's, he's in my top five, but he's not, you know, one of my all time favorite doctors. Oh, okay. Um, I must have been thinking of three then. Yeah. I just don't like three. Um, but he's still in my top five. He's the most magical feeling. When I think of the doctor, I think of Capaldi. When I think of my favorite doctor, it's David Tennant. But the most magical feeling 
It's Tom Baker. Definitely. Absolutely. So that that would be the main reason. I think the vibe would fit really nicely. Um, but I think his reason for being there, my headcanon would be, he tried to take the, the TARDIS to Camelot just to see what it would do. He was like, you know, what happens if I try to set it to this fictional place? <laughs> and it took him to a different magical place in England at a different time. <laughs> because, hey, your request made no sense. Here's the closest I got. <laughs> and of course, you just know Dumbledore's password at that time would just happen to be Jelly Babies. And that's how he gained <laughs> access to it. Of course. Of course. Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so who who was the other one you said? You said 3, 4, and? Uh, I said 3, 4, 10, 11, and 12. So I'll go with 10 first. And 10, it could, I mean, could very well be what a John Smith situation where uh, he is forced into this location oh, to avoid. Yeah. Uh, coming into conflict with someone else. And this is where, where else, why would you ever expect the doctor to show up at a magical school that is so antithetical to who he is? <laughs> Like it'd be one of the perfect hiding places for him. But of course, him being him, he'll make a big scene and people will obviously know where he's at. But I could definitely see him going there to hide or, or definitely just to understand what's going on there. Because it's so because once again, we've discussed like magic kind of exists in the Whoverse, but it's more applied science that we just don't understand. Mm. Yeah. OK. OK. Uh, yeah. You, you said 11. 12. Yeah. We can skip 11. Let's just pretend he doesn't exist. <laughs> Now, 11, I could possibly see if he – and I would put 10th Doctor here for a, another reason. If for him showing up, is there any way – I'm looking through every possible way I could possibly save uh, Rory and Amy from this uh, final situation. Yeah. Could magic be the way that I'm able to stop this certainty from happening, this fixed point in time? It's so annoying having one really childish version of the Doctor where like some stuff makes sense. I'm like, yeah, I can see that. That's annoying. <laughs> anyway, so what about 12? I have, let's see, pretty much the same. I mean, I didn't think of it the way you did. I, that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. See, like these familiar faces are here. How did that happen? But yeah. I mean, him too, it would be with Clara would be, how could I, it'd be similar to 10 and 11, like 10 trying to control things, but 11 trying to figure out how to solve this problem. But how could I stop her from dying in a certain way? And he mentions like I exhausted like every resource or something like that. And this would be one <laughs> if he knew it existed. Mm. All right. I'm going to go a different route though. Okay. Go for it. So, so we both picked 12 and four. So let's, let's stick with those two for the, okay. for the rest of it. I mean, the other ones were interesting. Obviously I'd always talk about 10 if I could or 14. I don't know anything about them, but I already like them. Um, <laughs> Can't imagine why. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll stick with 12 and four. Cause that, that just sounds fun. Um, Thinking of why the doctor would be here, I'm going to put a different reason out than the others I already gave. Okay. Um, which for 12, my two reasons actually could work both. So if, if it was Capaldi, it could just so happen that the TARDIS brought him here and he saw these other faces. But what if the TARDIS brought him? Because usually the TARDIS brings him to where there's a problem. What if for some reason magic isn't working or there's a curse on Hogwarts? Ooh. And I think it would be really fun if it was something like that where the doctor couldn't fix it with science because it's magic, but he has to use his his mind, learn things about the people there and use kind of his wit to help them solve magic because he wouldn't be able to do it because he's not a wizard. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't see him as a spellcaster in any scenario here unless no. <laughs> he enters some alternate universe and like the way his body works there is different. But I don't, I don't see that happening. But like helping them figure out the mystery and him 
being like, how can I do this? This is so outside my reach is pretty compelling. So, I mean, just him interacting with uh, the staff and the students and even being like uh, maybe a temporary professor at that time to justify his presence there (laughs) would be a ton of fun. Yeah, the doctor would definitely, regardless of which version shows up, he would definitely end up being a professor named John Smith. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) could could this be even like he becomes the defense against the dark arts teacher and that's why he doesn't show up next year? God, see, I was thinking that. I was thinking that because that would be funny. But then I realized he couldn't teach them any spells. That's true. I think he'd have to be the potions professor. I mean, that or muggle studies. That's true. (laughs) Potions or muggle studies. Oh, man. Okay, so so either 12 or 4, doing muggle studies or potions, we have plenty of reasons why they they could be here. Uh, Do you want to pick one? (laughs) Hmm. Or let's, really, just, let's do let's do no. both. Let's do the both. I mean, there's only two two doctors here, so let's let's start with twelve. Let's say it's twelve. He's seeing these other faces of himself. He's going by John Smith. He is. Let's stick with Professor of Muggle Studies. Yeah. Um, and he's trying to solve a magic mystery. How does he go about it? What's the most interesting storyline? What interactions do we think we enjoy the most here? He's going to bumble his way through it at the very beginning. Just <laughs> cut completely. It's out of his wheelhouse, this whole magic thing, even though he's experienced it before. But like just going in, figuring out how to interact with these people that are so different than other people he's interacted with before. Um, I definitely see him. 12 could easily be a mentor to any of our main trio for yeah. Harry Potter. I mean, and him getting along with Dumbledore would be, I could see that easily is like two men who've had to do a lot in their lives to get to where they're at and all the mistakes they've made along the way. I can see them uh, striking up a companionship over that. Mm, yeah. uh, Dumbledore might even be his magical mentor as far as like understanding how things work. Obviously not teaching yeah. him. See, I imagine sort of, which is funny, which is why 10 would be interesting. I imagine sort of that, that David Tennant flair part kind of spiking up because you got that a little bit with Capaldi of just kind of being so fascinated by everything like really you could do that yes <laughs> you could just turn them into a chipmunk there's this mischievous part of the doctor that i think he'd almost be like antagonizing some people just to see stuff happen just he's like i want to see someone get turned into a chipmunk <laughs> <laughs> he'd obviously be like low-key trying to scan everything with a screwdriver to see like what's what's the readings on this what's happening here like he he wants to scientifically understand what happens which he's only going to get so far with well which is where i work, think he'll though. get frustrated i think it would work i mean because like hogwarts he'd get any information about like magic from it if i'm remembering correctly hogwarts suppresses uh muggle technology immensely to where like i think even watches some watches stop working in that, that area. I don't know. See, I didn't. So, that's see, like the sonic screwdriver, like, is it just that developed to where it's beyond this, or because it's so developed, it becomes technology he can't use? And how would he be able to do his job without <laughs> relying on his one multi tool he always does? That's funny. See, now I'm intrigued because that's definitely a possibility. See, I was thinking he'd be doing some stuff with a sonic screwdriver, saying that it was a wand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he would just repurpose it to look like a wand somehow. <laughs> Um, cause that, you know, that sounds like something he'd do, but if it doesn't work man, that's a whole nother beast, <laughs> which I mean, he could do stuff without it, especially earlier iterations. The fourth doctor would have no problem. He, you know, they didn't use a sonic screwdriver as much back then. Um, oh, man. Yeah. So I, th- I think he'd be really interested. 
I think he'd have to tell somebody who he was. He'd have to fill someone in. And I'm thinking it's probably Dumbledore. You mentioned him having that relationship with Dumbledore. I definitely could see that. He'd probably have to fill him in. And Dumbledore would have to basically be feeding him hints. And he'd be trying to solve it while pretending like he was a professor the whole time. So you'd have Dumbledore keep going into the classroom and whispering to the professor and the kids trying to figure out what's going on here, you know? (laughs) And of course, he'd be teaching them like something using some kind of analogy or something because that's what the doctor does. And, you know, especially Capaldi always had the blackboard and he'd solve it while teaching. He'd be like, don't you see? And everybody like, yes, the tortoise won the race. We get, you know, like whatever. <laughs> like, I don't understand why this is so exciting to you. And for him, it's because he solved it. And that's when he'd go tell Dumbledore and move on. That's what I'm thinking. As far as other confidants are concerned, depending on when he shows up, I mean, I could see him going for Lupin and recognizing his inner struggle to. Oh, yeah. Uh with the werewolf within or like the person he turns into because of that. Um, I don't know. I definitely think there'd be a respect between him and McGonagall, but I don't know if they would become confidants necessarily. God, yeah. You know what I could see that'd be really funny since you mentioned Lupin? I could definitely see him just immediately going, that's a werewolf. (laughs) (laughs) He's seen werewolves before. He has a history of (laughs) So it'd just be really funny. like, wait a minute. (laughs) Guys, y'all know, and he's like telling everybody, like, yes, we know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can even see a scenario where he and Snape get along to an extent. Yeah, see, I was trying to figure that one out too. But I could see I could see he would see straight past Snape's facade, and I think he'd like who he saw. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because obviously Snape is a heavily flawed person. Well, who else is a very heavily flawed person? Uh, yeah. The doctor is probably one of the <laughs> perfect examples of that. Yeah. And to seeing two broken men uh, establish, I mean, maybe even a friendship at one point in time yeah. would be very fascinating to see. Obviously, he would also be close with uh, Ollie, Ollie Van, Ollivander. Ollivander. Why am I having such a hard time today, man? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think he'd obviously get close with Ollivander because he'd recognize the face. So he'd be trying to like probe him and scan him every chance he got because he's like, what? Why? Oh, hey, yeah. You're selling sonic screwdrivers to people. And B... <laughs> Why do you look exactly like me? Or, you know, another version of me. Yeah. And two, with uh, with Barty Crouch Jr. being obviously David Tennant, it's like, what is it about this young man here that I am so drawn towards that I took that face at one point in time? What, yeah, what have I been me? here before? I think yeah. you'd be wondering that too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, with memory erasing spells, that'd be something that could happen to the doctor at some point in time. Or even just some along the many adventures he's had, how many times has he had a mind wipe or something similar to try and take every every uh, memory he's ever had. But I, Or that time they made it canon where like if multiple versions of him are in the same place, they'll just some versions have to forget. Yes. I mean, just a thing. <laughs> I mean, it would make sense, too, because like obviously, well, I know what's going to happen. So why didn't the doctor just do something to make things easier? Yeah. Well, yeah, because they didn't all remember the same things. I'm because okay with that. Plot armor. That's why. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Okay. I like what we got with Capaldi here. Let's go fourth doctor. Um, let's assume same reason, some kind of mystery. What does Tom Baker's iteration of the doctor do here? Well, I think in my opinion, Baker is one of the greatest chameleon actors in the show. Yeah. yeah. Like there, there are so many stories that if any other person was doing it, it just wouldn't be as fun or I wouldn't believe in it as much as I do when I see him and just act 
and I see him, let's go with the magical mystery, like magic is dying or not everyone's able to use it anymore. He would find that number one, so fascinating because he doesn't understand it. But two, the people who understand it don't understand it. What a great chip (laughs) on his shoulder to be the one who solved it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so definitely some of that narcissism I see coming through, but you know, this, I'm going to counter something we said earlier. I think any generation of the doctor was going to be a magic user. It would be Tom Baker. Mm. I could see him doing something like a spell and see, this is like one of those things that would happen at the end, right? He would be doing something like trying to imitate one spell just to see if he could do it. And it would happen, but then you'd see somebody else doing something similar. Or, you know, there'd be some other thing that kind of hints at maybe there was another explanation, but maybe he did it. Who knows? I could see him kind of pulling one of those un- the, the, things that yeah. annoy you. Of uh, <laughs> the the maybe magic, maybe mundane trope is another yeah. one I'm not a fan of, but I'm so but happy that it made you happy. Funny. <laughs> yes. I mean, too, it is canon as well that the doctor knows what Hogwarts is, at least by the time of 10. Uh, he and Martha are both casting Expelliarmus oh, yeah. against the Sycorax uh, with That's William funny. Shakespeare. So, yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, so after 10, we know at least at that point in time, he knows what Hogwarts is. Maybe he learned it while he was four. <laughs> I mean, could be. And he was there. Um, okay, so how, how do you think, does, does four handle it the same way as 12? Does Tom Baker's doctor, is he still, you know, just disguise as a teacher, teacher, make friends with Dumbledore or somebody and figure it out or... I was trying to think of that because he can be a little haughty. Well, they're both haughty, but like above you in certain ways, he can be a little sneering. So I definitely see him and Snape maybe having that frenemy situation rather than like what we had with 12 and Snape. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, so 12, we mostly talked about, you know, he'd have Dumbledore, some of the other professors. I think four would be closer to the kids. Mm, That'd be a good one. That makes a lot of sense. He's a very caring person despite yeah. himself so he'd be talking to to harry and um ron and hermione yeah sorry maybe, maybe even the slytherin kids maybe even the kids that we don't like he'd see something good in them and oh, yeah. maybe that's what would turn things around actually i think that's what would make the story so different i think he would inspire some of the bad kids to be better because that's what the doctor does ultimately his biggest power is inspiring people yeah i think the doctor especially for in that regard would be very upset with the way things are handled like people talking about how slytherin is run how slytherins always are they got to be this they got to be evil and i Mm -hmm. think he would do everything in his power to challenge that and that's one Mm -hmm. of the unfortunate things in in the canon is that idea if you're here even though that's obviously not true as Rowling (laughs) writes it but the way people handle that situation they talk about slytherins behind their backs and even sometimes through their faces it's like, oh, you're this, therefore I don't have to care about you. And I see the moment Baker of uh, four sees that, he's going to do something like cause a scene or just go in, break into Slytherin, the common room, and have a pep rally there. Uh, it's definitely something I could see happening. For sure. For sure. Man. <laughs> oh, so that would be fun. And maybe, maybe then, I think if four was there, he doesn't solve it. He inspires Draco Malfoy to solve it. Ooh. And that would be a fun ending. That would be cool. That'd be an interesting way to go about it. Like, yeah. it, obviously, he <laughs> sees the potential of our main trio, but he also sees potential in someone else because Malfoy's no slouch yeah. when it comes to magic. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. And he, he does have the potential. 
I think if he wasn't just so busy trying to prove he's better than everybody and was actually using his skills for something progressive, he could have been amazing. He could have been all of our favorite. Yeah. So maybe with the doctor there, he would be. Hmm. I like it. I like it. So you, you know what I think is interesting? <laughs> yes. In no scenario do we think the doctor's anti-magic or hates the place for being magic. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely going to be frustrating, but I don't think he hates it. Yeah. And I don't think that obviously Hogwarts is an anti-science. Yeah. What's interesting, though, in real world, the biggest problem with this story for Christians is uh, Christians have a tendency to not not be a fan of either of those. You know, we say we're a fan of science, but then anytime scientists come out and say something, we want to disagree with it. Not really a good way to show you're a fan of science. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yes. we, of course we love science. What do you mean you came up with a vaccine? Of course you didn't. <laughs> hmm, interesting. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think my biggest thing from our perspective, just kind of thinking about this as we're wrapping it up, is just kind of how can the church better interact with science and magic? Since we see here, I don't think the two, if they were both real, you know, I don't think that kind of magic's real. I don't think they'd have a problem with each other. Religion's where the problem comes in. Well, it's very interesting how magic is in this world because it's not being channeled from somewhere else, which is where you look yeah. in scripture, you see that is the magic that is being decried and rallied against saying, do not participate in this. It is using the powers of something else to cause harm to the world and to cause yourself to become greater. And magic in Harry Potter basically works like sorcerers in D&D. &D. It's like you're born with it. It's like, well, excuse me yeah. for, yeah. And <laughs> like, it's just an inherent part of themselves. And I would see that as a natural form of just creative energy that could be used for good or ill. I mean, in my own writing, I had to come up with an idea. Okay. I have people that are basically casting spells. Like how do I handle that with my very, very conservative leanings here? It's like, Oh, well it only looks like that to you if you don't understand it. Like it is in the Harry Potter world and in stuff that I have written, it is natural abilities left behind after creation that some people can use for good or ill I use the way I do it is invocation and evocation. Invocation means I'm asking God, like this gift you give me, let me use it correctly. Evocation mm -hmm. is let me use it for myself. So I see, I don't see if, if we were to find out Hogwarts existed tomorrow, of course you'd have people rallying against them and trying to burn it down and what have you. Yes. But as for it magic. being the magic, the Bible is against, I don't see that. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, I think we're just going to skip the science part of this question for today. <laughs> We've talked about it so many other places. The church just needs to do better. God created creation with systems. Science is from God. He gave us inquisitive minds to understand things. Which, which I think that that's really the thing. That's why the doctor and Hogwarts won't have as many issues with each other as some of our religious institutes would is because they're inquisitive. They're curious. You know, the doctor's response to seeing magic isn't anger. It's curiosity. And I think that's what we need to kind of grasp more onto. We need to be more curious. And God made us curious for a reason. Um, and I, I think in real life, and this is, I might be crossing some borders here. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Christian will call oh me out. Christian might call me out on this one. We'll see. Okay. I think the church needs a more nuanced take on magic. The Bible is against witchcraft, but what does it mean by witchcraft? Should we be telling people who go by crystals and rocks and think that this rock is good luck or whatever? Should we be telling them that they're going to hell? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that people who call themselves a witch and they mean that kind of stuff or like earthy stuff and, you know, natural remedies. 
I don't think that's the kind of witchcraft the Bible's talking about. I still don't like the word witch. It makes me very uncomfortable. But I think we might need to be a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more thoughtful in our doctrine here, especially when you see when Jesus talks about witchcraft, he says, um, what was it? Lying is, is lying as witchcraft or is lying as murder? I, I want to say lying is as witchcraft. Um, but whatever it was they compared, I can't remember off the top of my head, are both forms of manipulation. I think the underlying doctrine is, hey, let's not manipulate things. Let's be straightforward. Let's be honest. And we're talking about the magic of Hogwarts. We're talking about people saying a Latin word in a beam coming out of power or something, you know, like lasers, basically. <laughs> and when we're talking about, you know, crystals, we're talking about people believing there's a different energy in different parts of nature, which hey, if you've been to the beach and been to the mountains, it's kind of hard to deny that there's not some kind of different energy there. It's just how far do we take that? Uh, the verse is First Samuel fifteen twenty three, and it's uh, man, that is not what I was thinking. It yeah, was. so I was not quite Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> so that would be uh, Samuel talking against Saul, I guess, for not wiping out the Amalekites like he was supposed to. So in that case, yeah, rebellion bad. But uh, you were right. I am going to correct you on some things as I feel them. <laughs> so let me preface it with that. When it comes to these ideas of I'm going to have this crystal around me. I'm going to have this. I'm going to put sage around my house because I think I saw a shadow move or something like that. <laughs> that to me misses the point of what we're called here to do. And that is to rely on the power of God. And I'm not saying that that means I don't have to do anything else. I'm going to just say, well, I'm going to get that job because God is going to walk, watch out for me. I mean, that's looking at God as like a, a chauffeur rather than he, who he actually is. When it comes to seeking out you know, using crystals or these remedies or what have you, that's a very slippery slope that I would say is a bit of pride. It's like I can find a different route to find what I need to get what I need through these items instead of asking the creator of all things. So I, once again, you, you mentioned the whole you do these things, you're going to hell. Well, there are plenty of other reasons why we're all going to hell. Uh, and opening a conversation like that is a poor idea. And the fact of the matter is we're in rebellion. And that is why rebellion is like witchcraft. It's like we are trying to to control the world, make ourselves as God. And that's what he's trying to fight against. It's like, look, come to me, the source of creation. Now, and once again, there are forces in this world we still don't get. How does it work? The psychokinesis exist? Uh, what is dark matter? Stuff like that. We need to explore these things scientifically. Go ahead. I want to push back one more time. And then, Go for it. And then let you have the final words so that we can be a good Christian podcast still. Um, <laughs> I think to, to me, I think if we're talking specifically about like some of the crystals and stuff and that type of witchcraft, not like the kind that the Bible is talking about, which are two different things, in my opinion. I, I think the thing is I take it very much the same as I went to the beach for a weekend because I needed a mental health day or, you know, I spend some time gardening because that gives me whatever. If for whatever reason, carrying a certain type of crystal or rock in your pocket makes you feel better. Cool. I don't think God's angry at you for it. I do agree that we should rely on God for all things and we shouldn't need other things. But, you know, we ha we do have a need sometimes for psychologists, for these different things. And if it helps you and draws you closer to the creator of the rocks and the crystals and all of that, awesome. If you're relying on that and your own power over that, that's where I have a problem. In my opinion, this is like Dumbo's lucky feather. Yes. The feather has no power. We ascribe power to these things that does not exist. And that is missing the point of creation. 
we are bringing false hope to ourselves by adding something onto something that does not need to be added onto. And once again, this is not a cry against <laughs> medication or uh, spending time with people or getting away from things. Those things are all good things because guess what? Jesus went away from the crowds because he needed some Jesus time away from people. He needed to be with God in prayer. And that is a good thing. And that's why he continues to model that throughout the Gospels. But once again, adding on to something that is already fixed and perfect is something that I see is very detrimental to us as people, as a society. So, And once again, there are plenty of things that are going <laughs> to take us away from God if we don't repent and believe in him. So uh, just to label that one thing is like, oh, that's the reason why is completely missing the point of how sin and salvation work. Yeah. Well, see, this is fun. I like when we have two differing opinions at the end here, because then I'm like, well, you guys pick which one you want to go with and roll with it. Um, for those of you who who wish to, to do a witch hunt and think that I am a witch now because I said that some of this isn't awful. Um, yeah, my address is uh, at Hamana Avenue. The free torches and pitchforks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just let me know. I mean, in fact, if, if you want me to tie a rock myself and jump in the lake, I'll just I'll go ahead. I'll I don't mind. If he floats, um, he's part duck. Oh man, where he's made of wood. <laughs> oh, funny stuff. So, so with that, did we have anything else we wanted to add as far as like some of the application of how the church is handling magic, witchcraft, science? Um, actually, I, I do have one more. While you're thinking, one more. While you're thinking. Um, getting away from what we were talking about, regardless of which side you decided to take, I do think it's important that we interact with people better, which is a scary word. I agree. If someone calls them a witch, themselves a witch, that's a rough one for me. You're called the love of that person still, regardless of what you think about it. And if they give you a crystal or something as a gift and are trying to be kind towards you, I don't think God wants you to turn your nose up at it. You can take it and throw it away when they're not looking. That's fine. <laughs> But, you know, I, I think still be kind to people, loving, humble, all that. And I think Christian would agree with that part. Indeed, I would. There's a way to handle that, and it's not throwing it back in their face and yelling at them. <laughs> it is, I best say, look, I understand why you're giving this to me. However, in my heart of hearts, I can't accept it because I feel this way. This is how it, I feel this is interpreted. So that'd be a lot better than your standard, <laughs> oh, oh, you believe in this, you're going to hell, you, you sinner, and crushing the crystal underneath your foot, which would be quite impressive if you could do yeah, that. that. That would be awesome. Yeah. But yeah, make sure you do express love, in fact. <laughs> also to your scientists who think that God is silly and a joke because science has just proved everything about the Bible. Have meaningful conversations, but if, if they're just hating on religion, usually there's something else there. Just love people. It's, that's all I want y'all to do, really. Anything you wanted to add? No, I think we've hit hit the nail on the head. This was fun. Yeah, yeah. I love I love doing these what ifs. So y'all make sure you jump on Facebook, vote for the next one. Um, hopefully there'll be something else that involves the doctor, because I, I just like talking about the doctor. We'll just pick different ones each time to talk about, because I can do that. <laughs> all right. So that being said, let's jump into the wrap-up, Christian. If you had to give a single recommendation for everybody out there... Um, you know, whatever comics, video games, whatever. What are you, what are you recommending today? I just finished last night. Cause I've been, I think I've mentioned a couple of times here before I am going through the entirety of the twilight zone again, because there's a couple episodes I missed along the way. Man. And I just finished the obsolete man, which you want to talk about something that matters today. 
the idea of becoming obsolete because you don't fit in with these ideals of what modern society is like uh, books mm. shouldn't be, we should ban books. We should ban science. We should ban religion. And like all three of those things are bought are brought up in that episode. It is yeah. time. The twilight zone is a timeless classic for a reason. And that's because most of those episodes, not all of them are good, could be written today and not be changed one bit and still apply, man. So for me, it's tough. It's tough to give a recommendation here because there's been a lot of either new series or series that just kind of got a reboot. You know, Dr. Strange is issue one, but it's like legacy number 300 or something. I don't know. <laughs> but there's a lot I'm enjoying right now that it just started. The stories are just now starting. Um, I'm going to recommend Superman Lost. So this is Clark Kent when he went out to space on a mission and was just gone for an extended period of time, which is why we had... um his son, John Kent, take over for so long as Superman on Earth. And it's now kind of filling in that hole of what was Clark Kent up to that whole time? Ooh. So it's Superman in space, which is fun for me. So good stuff. That does sound like fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they just released issue one like a couple weeks ago. It's great. Anyway, um, so make sure that you guys, if you want to hear more episodes from us, maybe we'll end up doing actually maybe we'll talk about Superman Lost on Count the Ketchup on our Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash systematic geekology. But if you want to hear other episodes that aren't on our Patreon, where we just talk about normal Superman, <laughs> you can go to systematicgeekology.org, hit the host tab. My name and Christian name's there. If you want to avoid me because I'm a witcher now or something, you can do it that way too. It's fine. If you I avoid really me because I'm a bigot, you can do the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah neither of us will mind at all <laughs> <laughs> oh man so that being said uh be looking out for a episode coming up soon of uh, me dj and our newest host elizabeth clyde talking about live action disney films that was a fun time she's changed my mind about mulan slightly not much but slightly it's not as bad as i thought check out why Make sure you're ready for that episode. And of course, guys, do us one important favor. And remember, we are all a chosen people, the geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.